Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Good morning. Happy Monday. Yes, good morning. Guess where I am when this episode drops, when everyone is hearing it. (gasps) Nola. New Orleans. I am going to be listening to us over a beignet. Oh, so I know. So exciting. I actually have um a Cafe du Monde bin, beignet like boxed mix. Maybe I should make them uh, yeah. this weekend so that we can have a beignet together. <laughs> <laughs> I will have one for you should you not be able to make one. Well, I'm gonna give it a try. It's been sitting in there. I found it like world market like weeks ago and I just was like, oh, we'll try that sometime. Nice. This might be the good weekend. <laughs> it should definitely be. We, I was very glad to get away from the Carolinas because we are in the pollen fog. So spring has come and we have crazy pollen in Raleigh because we are the city of pines. And those pines are no joke with the pollen in the spring. And when I say pollen fog, I am kid you not. It's clouds mm-hmm. of pollen and you walk outside and it's in your teeth and it's in your <laughs> eyes. It's very gross. You have to bring in all your patio furniture, or if you leave it out, you have to hose it off several mm-hmm. times. And, you know, Christy's mom got special windows for her patio because of the pollen fog. Like, it's so bad. Yeah, legit. Because she just likes to leave that stuff out all the time. And you can't. So, you, I remember it, it was like, even if you don't have allergies, you are affected by that in there because I don't have allergies and I've never felt it anywhere but there. And it was like, I can't even imagine what it was like for my kids with allergies. I know. Ugh. We started taking allergy medicine about two weeks ago because I could, mm-hmm. I could tell it was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's rained. So it was coming and then it rained. And so everything opened up and that's, we're just, we're yellow. Ugh, yeah, it was like snow. I remember yes. being like, it's like a layer of snow on your car. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you can write in it. So gross. Mm-hmm. You want to touch it? Watch me. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. What about you? What are you doing? Well, after this, um, well, when, by the time this drops, I will have, or we will have surprised our 16-year-old with a car. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's the coolest thing ever. I know. Car, too. I know, I'm excited. Like, we didn't know we were going to do it, and all of a sudden we were just like, you know what? We should do it. We should do this. And within 24 hours, I had a car bought, and it's being delivered on his birthday. Is he going <laughs> to die? What is he even going to do? I really have no idea. I would like to update people. <laughs> Maybe I will have a video, but you probably will not let me post it. We'll have to see. Maybe I'll get some releases signed by by him. (laughs) He's just not like a. He's he's not an expressive person, right? I think yes. I think we'll be able to see like the shock, but he's just not extremely expressive. So like he could just be like, what? With like this little grin on his face, or he just could be like, huh? Yeah, we're somewhere in between. Yeah, so I mean, I hope that there's excitement, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It'll, but okay. who knows? I will let you know. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll see the video regardless. <laughs> oh yes, 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 for sure. I just don't know that he would want me to post it. But also, if anybody care. ever needs tips on how to buy a car in less than 24 hours, call my girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I got you. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so anyway, but other than that, nothing else going on. Okay. Well, now that we've talked about all these things, should mm-hmm. we talk about um, death and murder? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I have something for you. Sweet. I'm ready. Here we go. Okay, Christy, this here doozy is a listener's suggestion from Hannah. Hannah Hannah is my niece. Oh, I was going to say that's a new name. Like, I don't remember that name. She's a listener. She's so cute. Hi, Hannah. Did she personally send this to you? She did. Yes, she (laughs) actually did. Maybe that's why I didn't, like, see it in, like, messages, you know. There you go. There you go. Yeah, she sent me this personally. So it's pretty well known. There's a lot of information. I'm just going to disclaimer that I am leaving some information out because I don't have two hours. So don't come at me and be like, but you didn't talk about this. And but this happened and you didn't say it. I'm purposefully leaving things out because we just have to due to time. If you want to know more, there are podcasts that cover it for two hours. So go find one of those because... I just, I mean, like, and listen to it after this or whatever, or just go look stuff up. I read so much information. There's just a lot. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I am purposefully withholding some from you. That is not key elements of the case. Okay. Good to know. This is the story of Jason Corbett. Okay. No bells. Nope. Mm-mm. Okay. Jason Corbett was born February 12th, 1976 in Limerick, Ireland. Oh, we are going to Ireland? Well, only for a minute, but yes. Okay. Just for his birth. Just for his birth. Yes. Well-ish. <laughs> Hang on. To parents John and Rita Corbett, he came from a very large family of eight children, and he and his twin brother were the youngest of the family. Jason was a very big, burly Irishman. He was 6'2", 240 pounds, so big, big guy. Mm-hmm. And is described, yeah. he played rugby. And he's described as the life of the party and very. I don't know why I just pictured him in a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't wow. think there are any pictures of him in a kilt. And he doesn't have red hair. So I do want to disclaimer yep. that. Because like, I know yep. that's what you're thinking in your head. And he has beautiful mm-hmm. brown hair. But okay. So he's described as the life of the party, very kind. He is known as a gentle giant and was very loved by his family and friends. Jason worked as a plant manager at a packing unit in Limerick and was doing super well. When he was 27, he married a beautiful Irish woman named Margaret Fitzpatrick. They called her Mags. Mm -hmm. So cute. It was love at first sight. And the two of them had a son in 2004 named Jack and a daughter in 2006 named Sarah. But sadly, three months after their daughter was born, Mags, Jason's wife, suffered from a severe asthma attack and died suddenly. Oh, gosh. So she had had asthma her entire life really bad. And she Mm -hmm. woke up in the middle of the night having an asthma attack and couldn't get it under control with her medication. Jason called for help and an ambulance came. But Mags, unfortunately, passed away on the way to the hospital in the ambulance. Wow. Gosh, you know, I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, I haven't known anybody to have that severe of allergy, like, recently. Asthma? Not allergy. Asthma. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like I used to hear it more often, like, oh, they have to carry their inhalers with them and like emergency inhalers and blah, blah, blah. You know, Isaiah has asthma, mm-hmm. but not like that. Right. So. Well, this was yeah. 2006. It wasn't very long yeah. ago. So. Mm-hmm. so now Jason is a 30-year-old widower. Is it widower? I think so. Yeah. That's what you say when it's a man. Okay. Mm-hmm. With a two-year-old and an infant. 30 years old, Um, all by himself. So tough. Really tough. Okay. So Jason put an ad out for an au pair to -hmm. help him with his kids. And he got an answer from a young lady named Molly Martins. Molly was 24 years old and was the only daughter to parents Tom and Sharon Martins. And she grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tom, her dad, was an FBI agent. Super cool. Oh, yes. Cool. Yeah. So Molly, she was tall, thin, blonde hair, blue-eyed Southern girl, and she was described by some as looking like a pageant queen, and she really did. Like that's the best mm. way I can describe her. Mm-hmm. She was a bombshell, like a real hottie hot. All right. So she had gone to Clemson but dropped out due to mental health issues and like some other things that were going on in her life. And she was just trying to figure things out. She loved kids and was sort of in an in-between time in her life. So she decided she would try work as an au pair. And she was like, Hey, Ireland, I'm coming mm-hmm. for you. This sounds great. Is this her gap year? Was that, yeah. Was, was right. that a well, she thing was 24. So I don't know if yeah. there's like an age limit oh, for okay. gap years. I'm not really okay. sure what the rules are. But I had a gap year, but I was like 19. So I don't know. Right. So she um, she told Jason that she had graduated from Clemson and that mm-hmm. she had aspired to be an Olympic swimmer. Oh. So we know that she did not graduate from Clemson. She dropped out. But I couldn't find anything about the swimming. So I don't know mm-hmm. about that. But mm-hmm. either way, to Jason, Molly looks really good on paper. Mm-hmm. So he hired her as an au pair for his two children. And in 2008, she moved from Tennessee to Ireland to live with him and the kids and be their caregiver. The kids loved her immediately. And Jason's family really liked her as well. She was very warm and gentle with the children and everything seemed great. Mm-hmm. Over time, Jason and Molly began growing closer And eventually, Mm. some romantic feelings developed between the two, and they began a relationship. Now, I mean, you can imagine how this would go. Molly, she's super young, and she's already acting as, like, a mother figure to these kids. Mm -hmm. So when she and Jason, like, fell in love and started, you know, having these feelings, the family part was already done. So it wasn't like, I got it. We got to wait some time and then introduce you to my kids. And then you got to move in. She was already living there. She was already like a mother figure to the kids. So like it was already in place. Everything was done. It's like a fairy tale. Right. You know, for this 24 year old girl. So Jason proposed to Molly on Valentine's Day in 2010. And then in 2011, they traveled to the U.S. and had a big Southern Tennessee wedding. Oh, So it is reported that at the wedding, people talked about this a lot, that Molly was showing some pretty erratic behavior, that she was kind of acting controlling. She was like flying off the handle about little things. And she seemed like hot tempered and flustered. Well, that's what I was thinking every time I was reading it. Like, and they were like, you know, it was terrible. And she, we didn't even know who she was. And, you know, and I'm like, 
being a bridezilla is a re- it's a real thing. Like I I realize right, that yeah. you don't know her very well, and she probably looks a little bit like a crazy person, but it's a thing. It, there's a word right, she for could be it. Totally stressed and not like handling this part of her life very well. Right. There's a whole show about <laughs> yeah. it. Whole show. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. So I'm I'm saying we're saying you and I we're both mm-hmm. saying it's a possibility. Okay. But they talk about this. Now, one of the bridesmaids at some point during the wedding weekend or whatever tell, says something to one of Jason's family members. And she's like, you know, it's so sad that Jason's former wife, Mags, you know, died of cancer. And it really hit Molly hard when it happened because her and Mags were such a good, fr- good friends. She never met. So, yeah, her, right? exactly. Well, yeah. first of all, she didn't die of cancer. Right. Well, yeah, that's my first face. <laughs> Secondly, she didn't know Mags. She came to yeah. Ireland after Mags passed. She came to Ireland because Mags passed right. away. Yeah, so exactly. yeah. It's not a good look for her to be mm-hmm. lying about stuff like that. But what are you going to do? They're happy. Right. It's like an offhand. Maybe she misunderstood. We don't really know. But mm-hmm. either way, the family is kind of like, what's going on with Molly here? So shortly after they married, Jason and Molly started making plans to move to the U.S. Jason loved the U.S. He and Mags actually honeymooned in the U.S. So he was a really big fan of it. And he thought that it would bring good opportunities for the kids. And of course, Molly was like, well, yes, I'm homesick. I'd like to be closer to my family. So Jason's company was able to put in a transfer for him to move to another one of their plants stateside. And it was located in Lexington, North Carolina. Oh, wow. So here Local they come. Case. Welcome in. Welcome in. Mm-hmm. Lexington, for all of you who don't know, is a small town outside of Winston-Salem. It's not quite two hours or so from me. And it's actually known as the barbecue capital of the U.S. Oh, is it really? I learned that when I was looking it up. Who knew? That's where the barbecue the, came from? <laughs> Apparently, or maybe they have the best. I don't know. Right. I didn't look that far into it. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I've never been to Lexington, I don't think. Winston-Salem, yes, Lexington, not so much. Mm -hmm. So the Corbett family bought a beautiful 5,500-square-foot home in a golf course community in North Carolina. Jason's job was doing very well, obviously. He was extremely successful. Molly was super happy to be closer to her family. The kids were adjusting really well to school. They loved it. Um, Molly worked part-time as a swim instructor, which kind of makes me think maybe the Olympic thing has a little bit of weight to it, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But she mainly took care of the kids. That was her Right. Her her primary job. She was very involved in their school. They made a lot of friends. Jason was called the king of the cul-de-sac, which I think is really cute. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone really liked them. Molly really, really loved the kids. Like, I -hmm. I will say she was a great mom, stepmom, whatever mom, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to say. But here we go. Over the course of the next few years, there seemed to be some issues arising in the marriage. One really, really big issue is that whenever Molly and Jason got married, they had planned that Molly would formally adopt Jason's two children. But after they got married, Jason completely was refusing to move forward with this process. He was like, nope, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow it. So Molly and he didn't give reason. Well, none that we know. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Molly even contacted an attorney to see what her rights would be should, should something happen to Jason or if something happened between the two of them. And she was told that she would have no legal guardianship over them. Like if you and Jason did get divorced or break up or whatever, the kids are with him. You don't have any custody rights, nothing like you just they're gone, whatever. That's interesting. And I know that probably goes state to state because I know that sometimes even if you're not biologically their parent, but you're married to that, then you have rights in some states, like more rights than anybody else, because we ran into that (laughs) with certain things. I personally think that there should be, especially if you have are a stable figure in their life. It's not in their best interest to like just completely have you gone all of a sudden, but. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially if you get along with, well, I mean, I guess that was where it would, the issue would be if you don't get along with like the grandparents and they're like, no, you are not taking their, my grandkids, whatever. But like, if it's a great marriage and a great situation, then why? Yeah. Uproot them after something tragic happens or whatever. Right. Do you think something tragic is going to happen? Spoiler. Just Spoiler. Kidding. I mean, I mean, why are, why are we here? It's not. Right. Okay. So Jason also was starting to feel kind of homesick for Ireland. And he would talk sometimes about how he kind of wanted to go back. And this would mm-hmm. terrify Molly because she wasn't obviously allowed to adopt the kids. She'd been told that she didn't have any legal rights. And so she was afraid that at any time he could just up and leave one day and take what she like thought of as her kids that she was raising and go back to Ireland. And there's nothing she would be able to do about it. She wouldn't have any say over it. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So Jason would often make comments to his family back in Ireland that Molly was like unstable, that she wasn't, he wasn't really happy with her anymore. She was kind of like a different person. And he really just wasn't sure what he, what he was going to do or what he could do. And He had found out that Molly had a history of mental illness, that she had been hospitalized several times. One of the times she was hospitalized was just before she came to work with him in Ireland. And all of this, she like withheld from him. So like, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with the fact that she had mental illness and sought treatment and sought help. But like she lied to him about it or withheld it from him. And it's like. He was her boss. This is important. You know, some. Yeah. You're caring for children. You should disclose something, right. I would I would imagine. Maybe. Just, I don't know. I don't know. Right. So, Well, you're married. <laughs> you're married. Like, well, you should yes, probably that, know I'm, your mental stability. At that point. Right. Yes, at that point. But I'm just saying, like, if I'm hiring somebody, I probably would, I don't know, just want to know so that if there was something that I needed to look out for. True. I don't know. I don't know. So, or if, Right. Okay. So she had been diagnosed with depression and bipolar disorder, and she'd actually been prescribed medication, but she wasn't taking any medication. So I think that's mm-hmm. concerning is that it was like untreated because right, she yeah. was hiding it. She was keeping it secret. So she could not get treatment for it. So yeah. And it's a serious illness. Absolutely. Needs to be treated. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it sounded to me like, he didn't want Molly adopting his children because he didn't trust her. Uh, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but Molly, on the flip side, had also been confiding to her friends and family about troubles in her and Jason's marriage. And she was telling people that Jason was controlling, 
that he was often really jealous and that he would control their finances, that he would pick fights really often in front of the children. Molly said that sometimes he would even get physically abusive with her and would leave bruises and that he would choke her. Hmm. No, not good stuff. No. Molly told her loved ones and friends that she couldn't leave Jason because she had been told that she had no rights to the children and leaving him would mean leaving them. So she was sticking it out. Right. Mm -hmm. She did consult an attorney, like I said, about the custody rights and, I guess, marriage issues and things. And an attorney advised Molly to start documenting the fights and the abuse Mm. so that she could build a case against Jason and why she should be given some type of custody or whatever. So Molly did. She started secretly recording their arguments on her phone. Mm. Oh, oh. So I listened to some of these recordings, the ones that have been made public, and he's yelling. He's yelling. And the kids are also on the recording. So they're there. So he was yelling in Mm -hmm. front of the children. He's Mm -hmm. not cursing. He's not belittling or being what I would call verbally abusive. He's saying things like, you know, I'm just trying to talk to you and you're doing something else. and You're not even paying attention to me and you always do this. And I'm trying to talk to you about something. And, you know, that's, I mean, he's yelling. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not nice, but to me, it just sounds like a fight between two right. married people. Not even a bad fight necessarily. Molly definitely sounds calmer than him, mm-hmm. but she knows she's being recorded. Mm-hmm. So right, like exactly. she's going to be aware of that in this argument and try to, you know, be the not the aggressor. Right. But is she silently instigating him by like ignoring what he like, Well, right. Like he's, he's saying something to her and instead of responding, mm-hmm. she's like, hey, can you go get the pancake stuff? Like talking mm-hmm. to the kids. And he's like, I'm trying to talk to you about something <laughs> like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it went. So. I mean, it shows he has a temper. Yes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, to me, show that he is abusive, in my opinion. That's just me. Right. Well, I was going to say, almost everyone has a temper. You can't tell me that nobody's gotten mad and yelled. (laughs) So one shape. 100%. Whatever. Somebody. So, okay. So this brings us to Saturday, August 1st, 2015. Jason Mm -hmm. is 39. Molly is 32. Jack is 10. And Sarah is eight. So it was a normal Saturday. The kids had birthday parties that day. And around eight o'clock that night, Molly's parents, Tom and Sharon, Tom, the FBI agent, remember, come to spend the night. They come from Tennessee to spend the night with the family. So Tom had brought an old tennis racket and like an old little league bat to give to Jack as like a gift, like a hand-me-down. You know, these were your uncle's brought them to to give to him and they just came to spend time with their grandkids and you know hang out. So they had some beers with some of the neighbors and then the family had dinner together and then they went to bed. Everything was normal. So the setup of the house, which is important later, is there's a basement with a guest room in it where Molly's mm-hmm. parents, Tom and Sharon were sleeping. Then there's the master bedroom on the first floor, the main level. So that's Jason and Molly's room. And then the children's rooms were upstairs on the second floor of the house. Okay. Okay. So they're all three on different levels. Okay. So what happens next is very controversial. 
And there are two, if not more, theories on the events of that night. Okay. And so I'm just going to give you all of the evidence that I have and information so that you can decide which one you think is true. And I will Got do it. that right after <sighs> the break. I hate that. Okay. So I am going to start out with Molly and Tom's version. So okay. dad, dog. Dad and daughter. Mm-hmm. Got it. Around two o'clock in the morning or so, so this would be the morning of August 2nd, Molly said that Sarah woke up from a nightmare. Sarah is the daughter. Right. Apparently, this had been going on fairly frequently, and Jason was getting really frustrated by this because it seemed to be attention-seeking. Okay. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like she was really having a nightmare. It was that she would wake up and be like, I want someone to sleep with me. Mm -hmm. So Molly got out of bed quietly so that she didn't wake Jason up and took Sarah back upstairs to her room, laid with her for a while until she fell back asleep. But as Molly was getting back in bed, Jason woke up and he was angry at Molly for coddling Sarah again. And the two of them started fighting. Uh Jason (laughs) began choking Molly and putting his hand over her mouth and telling her he was going to kill her and she needed to shut up and be quiet so mm-hmm. Tom, Molly's father, is downstairs in the basement, and he hears, like, yelling and noises upstairs. He's Something's going on. And so just on instinct, he grabs the baseball bat that he had brought and runs upstairs to see what's going on. So the noise is coming from Jason and Molly's bedroom. So he goes there towards the noise. And when he goes in, he sees Jason with both of his hands around Molly's neck. So he yells, and then Jason took his hands off her neck and then spun her around in front of him and put his arm in front of her and was holding her Mm -hmm. like that, like in a chokehold almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Tom is yelling at Jason to let her go, and Jason is yelling at Tom to that he's going to kill her. So he's like, let her go. I'm going to kill her. Let her go. I'm going to kill her. Big fight. And Jason starts dragging Molly to the bathroom, towards their bathroom. So Tom is like, I can't let him get her in the bathroom away from me. So he charges at Jason and he hits him in the back of the head with the baseball bat. Jason does not fall. He starts to fight back with Tom and he got the bat away from Tom and knocked Tom down and then was standing over him preparing to hit him. So Molly, he's let go of Molly at this point, and she is now afraid that Jason is going to kill her dad with the baseball Mm -hmm. bat. So she picks up a paving stone, like a brick. Mm -hmm. I know. I saw your face. It was in her room. (laughs) And she hit Jason in the back of the head with that again. Again, Jason does not fall. He continues (laughs) to fight. But when that happens, Tom is able to get the baseball bat away from him, and he hits Jason again. Jason falls to the ground and stops moving. Tom then says that he didn't hit Jason anymore after that, after he fell, because, quote, the threat was over. Well, that's an FBI thing. That's what I was just getting ready to say. And it's the clear definition of self-defense. Right, yeah. Which an FBI agent would know. In self-defense, you can defend yourself until you don't need to defend yourself anymore. You defend yourself more 
No. It becomes something else. It becomes right. malice at that point. So mm-hmm. interesting, interesting words, right? Yes. Okay. So Tom then calls 911 and the call comes in at 3.02 a.m. I listened to the call. It's pretty long, so I can't tell you the whole thing. But part of it, Tom says, um, my son-in-law, this is a quote, my son-in-law got in a fight with my daughter. I intervened and he's in bad shape. We need help. He's bleeding all over and I may have killed him. So this is what he says on the 911. He tells the dispatcher that he hit him in the head with a baseball bat. And then he hands the phone to Molly at one point and the dispatcher walks them through performing CPR. So paramedics arrive within minutes to the house and Jason is pronounced dead at the scene at the age of 39 years old. Hmm. Okay. So they take Tom and Molly in for questioning immediately, separately. Both Tom and Molly tell this exact same story of what occurred. So what I just told you is exactly what they both said. Okay. They both explain it as a battle and they both say they were afraid for their lives. So they asked Molly, why did you have a paving stone in your bedroom? Mm-hmm, right. She mm-hmm. explains that she and the kids were planning on painting it to put it around the mailbox and that that's why it was in her room. Okay. But why would it be in your bedroom? Why wouldn't it be like downstairs on the kitchen or well, like- bedroom's the- on the first floor, remember? Okay. So there's no, right. it's not like they brought it upstairs because I had the same question. I was like, I definitely would not bring it upstairs to my bedroom, but- their, their bedroom was off the kitchen, so. Okay. I was just thinking, like, I wouldn't even put it in my bedroom. Like, I, it would be, like, out in the open where, like, oh, this is a stone that we're going to paint. It'll be, like, in the living room. Like, no, I'm not going to paint in it in my, my bedroom. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. But if I were to bring it in the house, my bedroom, no matter where my bedroom was in the house, it would not be in there. Right. It would be somewhere else. <laughs> right. But that's what she says. That's her explanation okay. for why it was there. Police, uh, Molly tells police that uh, there's a long history of abuse. Um, she tells them about that he would physically abuse her, that he was fighting, that she had been recording it, all of that. Mm-hmm. Photos are taken of Molly and Tom. And other than like a small red mark on her neck, I'm pointing. It's like right in the middle of her neck. When I say small, I'm talking small. She has no other injuries at all. Tom has absolutely no injuries anywhere on him. So neither one have any marks or injuries. Both of them have blood on their clothing and on them. And it's just interesting to me that they were able to get out of what they describe as a battle with a six foot two burly man with no marks. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. make a lot of sense to me. I don't like it. Well, especially if he had his hands around her neck for an extended period of time, she would have some sort of mark marking if it was strang- if she was being strangled. Right. I, I that, yeah. that that is the argument. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning, which I think is interesting, is that both Molly and Tom were very adamant that neither Sharon, Molly's mom, or the two children woke up during any of this battle. Yeah, how is that possible? That's odd, right? Because Tom yeah. woke up So even just my husband getting out of bed in the middle of the night at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning is going to wake me up. Yeah. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you can't say that Tom like did all this silently. He wasn't like 
No, they were, he was yelling. Get off my daughter. Right. You know, like, yeah. Or like he just walked in and hit him. Like he was yelling at him to leave him alone and Tom or Jason's yelling back at him. So yeah, I don't, she's screaming. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So family and friends were interviewed and both told their sides of the story of their loved ones, which are conflicting. Molly's people say Jason was controlling and abusive. Jason's people say that Molly was a liar, suffering from mental illness and was paranoid that Jason was going to take the kids away. Both of the children were interviewed by a social worker. Now, this is interesting. Remember, they are eight and ten. Mm-hmm. Jack, the ten-year-old, says that he loved Molly and that he wanted to stay with her because she was his mom. He tells the social worker about the paving stone. He says that they wanted to paint it, but that it had been raining, so they brought it in to keep it dry. He tells the social worker that his dad, this is a quote, verbally and physically hurts my mom. How does he know those words? I'm glad you said that because I have a (laughs) 10-year-old. I have a Mm 10-year-old and he's smart and he's got a great vocabulary and I just can't promise that he even knows those words, let alone would use them. I just, I don't think, like I kind of want to ask him. (laughs) Maybe I should. I know. I feel like they would say, my dad yells at my mom a lot and sometimes I see him slap her or I don't know, like it would be just more simplistic than verbally and physically abuses her. Verbally and physically hurts my mom. Oh, hurts her. That's what he said. Okay. So Sarah also tells the social worker similar things about how she loves Molly. Molly is her mom. And she also says that she isn't supposed to wake her dad up when she has a nightmare because quote, it would just be bad. And that he got angry about everything. Okay. Okay. So police initially believed that this was probably a case of self-defense. I mean, they have this FBI agent, they have these testimonies from the kids, you know, histories of abuse, whatever. But Mm -hmm. good on them, they processed the crime scene appropriately. Okay. And it is the evidence where we get another possible story of what might have happened. So Jason was found naked. In the bedroom on the floor. I think that's weird too. A lot Does of, he sleep in the nude? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. Of People course do it, it is. Of course it is possible. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But like right. with your in-laws in the house, I don't know. Man, that seems a little like, ooh. okay. Mm-hmm. So his cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. He had over a dozen impacts to his head. They think. So they can't be sure because some places were hit in the exact same place more than one time, they think. So right. they're not okay. sure how many t- how many definitively there were. But he did have uh, – his skull was fractured in multiple places. His scalp was torn off and parts of it – sorry, this is gross. Parts of his scalp were inside of his skull. So that's how hard he was hit. This seems more violent than what they described. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so okay. Jason had a small amount of alcohol in his system, small. Like I believe his blood alcohol level was like 0.02 or something like that. So he had a beer when he got home from work right? or whatever. Like, yeah. And he also had sleeping medication in his system called trazodone, which is – it's an antidepressant, but it's mostly used for a sleeping aid, which Molly mm-hmm. actually had a recent prescription for. Hmm. Which, okay, you take your wife, your spouse's 
medicine. It happens. It happens. You're not supposed to do that. I know you're not supposed to. Don't do that. It happens. Right. This was a gruesome, bloody scene. I've seen the crime scene photos of it, and it is truly something out of, like, an awful horror movie. There was blood all over this bedroom, everywhere. There's a lot of blood spatter on the bed, which is odd because they weren't really like his body wasn't near the bed. So mm-hmm. I don't, I thought that was weird. There's a lot of blood spatter on the walls, but most of the splatter on the wall was only about 12 to 18 inches off the floor. So it's very, very low. I mean, we're talking a foot, a foot and a half. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm taking like serious well, notes I see right you now, furiously like. writing over there, Miss <laughs> Christie. <laughs> so to me, to everyone, this would indicate that he had been struck while he was down. Mm-hmm. Remember, that is a huge problem for Molly and Tom's story because they both claim that he was standing every time that they hit him and that once he went down, they stopped and called for help because the threat mm-hmm. was over. Remember? Mm-hmm. So there is a long blonde hair found in Jason's hand, which is assumed to be Molly's. And Jason had multiple defensive wounds on one arm, but not the other. Which okay. you could argue was because one arm was around Molly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the other arm he was fighting with. Again, Molly and Tom have no defensive wounds. Tom had blood. They all had they both had blood on them. Both of them. Some of it was mm-hmm. like where they were trying to administer CPR and got blood on them. Some of it mm-hmm. was splatter. But Tom had blood spatter on his boxer shorts. And it appeared to be in like an upward pattern, indicating that it had come from below. Which mm-hmm. again would indicate that he was hitting him while he was below him. Okay. Also, okay. just a side note. Outside of this investigation, remember Molly, she has no legal rights to the children. Mm -hmm. Jason's will appointed his sister Tracy as their legal guardian. So Tracy immediately came to the U.S. and filed for custody, which Molly fought. But Molly lost and a judge awarded guardianship to their aunt and she took them back to Ireland and like cut off contact with Molly. So this is Molly's worst fear coming true. She's devastated. You know, all that. So while they were back in Ireland, the children obviously are in like therapy. They're seeing grief specialists and they really start to like open up about their life in the U.S., Jack specifically, the older one. And Jack confesses that what he told the social worker was not true Mm -hmm. initially. That he said Mm -hmm. that Molly had like coached them basically in what to say about their dad and that to say your dad is mean and he's angry and that he hurt Molly. And Jack said that Molly told them if they didn't say these things, that they would be taken away from her and separated and they would never see each other again. Mm. So you have Mm. to think like, if that's true, Molly, this is their only mother they have ever known. They were like one in three. When she came into their life, she she's all they have ever known. And now their dad is dead and there's police everywhere and they can't go home. Like, they're terrified. Mm-hmm. They're just going to do whatever they yeah. can to, like, try to find some normalcy in the situation. And if somebody's saying, if you say this, we'll be okay, you're probably going to say that when you're 10 and 8. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Verbally and physically hurts mm-hmm. my mom. Okay. Just want you to keep that in mind. That was a big thing for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A huge. Right. So based on all of this, obviously, police, 
and you and me, start to see another picture. And in January of 2016, both Molly and her father, Tom Martins, are arrested for the second-degree murder and voluntary manslaughter of Jason Corbett. Wow. All right. So let's talk about these charges. I know you know this, but for some... For those who don't. Okay, so first-degree murder is when you kill someone deliberately. Willful mm-hmm. intent, you premeditated. You planned it out. This is, I'm going to kill this person. This is why. This is how. Second-degree murder is basically like every other murder. There is mm-hmm. malice, meaning you want them dead, but you don't premeditate it. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. Voluntary manslaughter is the intentional killing of someone but it's normally like a heat of the moment type thing. Mm-hmm. Like you get in a bar fight with someone, you take it too far. Mm-hmm. That's voluntary right. manslaughter. Okay. So they're being charged with second degree murder and voluntary manslaughter. Okay. Okay. So Tom and Molly's trial, they had a joint trial together. Daddy, daughter, date. <laughs> oh my <God>. I know. <laughs> in July. Like you're going to the dance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe got her a corsage. I don't know. So their trial began in July 2017. The defense, of course, plays it as self-defense. Like they've been saying this whole entire time that Molly was stuck in an abusive relationship with Jason because she couldn't leave the children. He was attacking her, saying he was going to kill her. Her dad came in. Protective instinct, you know, took over and he saved his daughter. Molly even alludes to the fact that maybe Jason had killed his first wife instead of it being an asthma attack. Well, no evidence of that. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't that, like, if she died of something other than that, wouldn't they have found that? So when you have an asthma attack, I actually looked into this because I was like, is it possible? You, You don't exhale. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can breathe in, but you can't breathe exhale the carbon dioxide so you actually when you die of an asthma attack you die of like cardiac arrest oh really because you can't breathe the air out and your heart can't like pump properly Hmm. because it doesn't have oxygen okay so i don't know i don't know could he suffocate her and the same thing happen probably well but if you're suffocating she can't breathe in either that's true. But it, would it present like a cardiac arrest too? I don't know. I don't know. I Again, like, like I said, not. there's no evidence but, of it. But okay. mm-hmm. it is really right. – to die of an asthma attack is is weird. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a weird uh, process that your body goes through. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, she's like slandering this guy's name with no evidence. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So the prosecution prosecution alleges that Jason was about to leave Molly and that she was desperate to keep the children and that they fought and she lost her temper and she couldn't stop and that she brutally beat this man. Her dad had some level of involvement, whether he helped her do it or he helped her cover it up. Um, There's also speculation that maybe Molly had given Jason the sleeping pills so that he would be easier to beat. That's premeditation, though. So mm-hmm. that would be first degree. That's not what they're charging her with, but it's talked about. So the blood spatter evidence and the excessiveness of his injuries were huge things in this case. And then the lack of defensive wounds or injuries on both Molly and Tom, 
super weird. And all of that is enough to get them found unanimously guilty of second degree murder. Okay. And they were both sentenced to 20 to 25 years in prison. Wow. But they immediately file appeals and the appeal went before the North Carolina Supreme Court. Their defense claims that they could not fully and fairly present their case. They point out that the blonde hair found in Jason's hand was never tested for DNA and therefore never entered into evidence and that it could have proven that Molly was being restrained by Jason. They also claim that the blood found on Tom's boxers indicating that he hit Jason while he was down was assumed to be Jason's blood, but never tested. Hmm. Like who else's blood was it though? Right. He had no injuries on him. Why are you walking around with bloody boxers? That's gross. Right. Yeah. Whatever. They also point out that the interviews with the children in which they confess that Jason was abusive and angry and all that stuff, they were never allowed as evidence because they later recanted them. So the judge Mm -hmm. wouldn't allow him to enter enter that as evidence. So the jury never heard those. Okay. They never heard those interviews. All right. Mm -hmm. Shockingly. In April of 2021, Molly and Tom's appeal was granted and their conviction was overturned. Shut up. I'm not going to. That's what happened. So they were both released from prison on bail to await their appeal, their trial. They served three and a half years, 44 months specifically. The last thing I could find on their case was an interview given by the prosecution that said that they were going to retry the case sometime in 2022, but a plea deal was not off the table. That's it. There's no date listed, nothing, and they are out. So I know, right? (laughs) The children are now teenagers and thriving in Ireland with their father's family. They don't have any contact with Molly or any of her family. And they now believe that Molly murdered their dad. That's what Mm -hmm. they believe. Um, His sister, Tracy, the kid's guardian, wrote a book called My Brother Jason, talking Mm -hmm. about how she believes that this was premeditated, first degree. She drugged him, all this stuff. Um, I didn't read that book only because I knew that it was going to be so slanted towards Mm -hmm. that. Um, It says it's a really good book. And I saw like, listened to interviews of people who have read the book and it's great. I may go back and read it now, but I didn't want to read it before I covered the case because I just didn't want to have a hugely biased Mm -hmm, view. mm -hmm. And I knew that it would give me that. So I was trying to be fair to the facts. There's the facts. That's the case of Jason Corbett. Okay. Get get your notes out, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of the stuff you actually like, you know, covered and like talked about or mentioned things that I was already like writing down. So it's like a mute point now. But um, yeah, Uh, this is like a mixture of things for me. I think of that cold medicine killer. Remember the person who killed his wife on cold medicine didn't realize he was doing it. Mm-hmm. And so like if if he acts, like took one of her sleeping pills because he was having trouble sleeping or something or didn't want to get woken up by the daughter who was waking up at night, like wanted to get a good night's sleep. So say he voluntarily took it. 
and maybe did accidentally attack her in his sleep. <laughs> hmm. And so she defended herself. However, however, it was too brutal for it to be like, it just ended there. Like, sorry, no, it was, it. but that did enter my head when you right. were talking about that. So what you're saying is it could have started out as self-defense, but turned into voluntary manslaughter, essentially. Like, yeah, like, here's my, my chance. Well, now I want you dead. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The fact that initially dad is an FBI agent made me think, I'm going to believe whatever he says. Mm-mm, nope, nope, not after all, like, the other, like, blood splatter and blood, like, don't believe it. Whether or not he, I don't, I don't know that I think he was like involved in like the planning of it. Right. But I think he walked into that and was like, okay, this is how we're going to deal with it. Correct. I agree with that. And here's what we need to say and whatever. Right. So maybe he's guilty you know, of something. He cover it up. Right. Yeah. He's guilty of something, but I don't know that he went into it like, okay, you want to kill him? I'm going to tell you how to do it. Let's do it this way. So I don't, I, personally, opinion. Also, she's unmedicated. So is it possible that she just went into some sort of psychotic rage or something and like this happened and then of course he's trying to cover it up because he wants to protect his daughter because maybe he doesn't really believe that she actually meant to do this. Mm -hmm. Either way, like he's covering up, but right. one is he walks into her purposely doing something or now he walks in to her like in some sort of psychotic state doing something that she doesn't realize she's doing. So he wants to protect her. Mm -hmm. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I think that he's definitely protecting her, whether yeah. he was protecting mm -hmm. her from someone trying to kill her or whether he was protecting her from going to prison for the rest of her life, you know, and staging something. I don't, I agree with you that I don't think that he wanted his son-in-law dead. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, here's my main issue. I, I, I think I think they should be in prison. I, I do. I think so. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I do have an issue, though, with the motive of why she would kill him. Because she knows – she. so they're saying she wanted to kill him because she was afraid he was going to take the kids away. Mm -hmm. Well, she had already been told that if something happened to him, they would take the kids away. So how does it right. make sense for her to be like, well – I have to ha keep him in order to keep the kids. Let me plan to kill him, knowing that that would force her to lose the kids. Well, again, she's unmedicated bipolar. Right. She just doesn't, can't think rationally. Right. She's not, she's probably not thinking through all of that stuff. Right. Truly. That's my issue with it being premeditated. That's my mm -hmm. only right. issue with it being premeditated. It's like, why would she plan to do that? Why would she plan to kill him knowing if he died, she would lose the kids? Right. Like, she's not going to plan to kill him to keep the kids knowing she would lose the kids. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. that's just my opinion. I don't know that you can prove that it was premeditated, which is probably why they were like second degree right. voluntary manslaughter. Because they're like, well, even if she gave him the sleeping pill to make it easier, we can't prove it. We can't say that he didn't just take one of his wife's sleeping pills to get a better night's sleep. So whatever, like, let's not. Well, the other reason they were saying she may have premeditated is because she had the brick in the room. Well, yeah. Um, the yeah, bat was readily available, you know, like, and that she right. didn't have any marks on her. So, like, he wasn't fighting back. Yeah. They said he yeah, was like, fighting back, but there's no evidence he was fighting back. There was evidence he was laying on the ground getting beat to death. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because of the blood right. close to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's all very, very strange. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think it happened at all the way they said it was too rehearsed too like similar, you know, wording and the coaching of the kids. The kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's definitely not the way they said it happened and they definitely did something wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think either way you look at it, this man this was not necessary. He did not need, whether he was abusive or not, he did not need to be brutally beaten in the middle of the night in his bedroom. Like, however you play it, I, that, that was not, even if he was choking her and saying he was going to kill her, this level of brutality was not necessary. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Gosh, what an awful, awful 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 these poor children they're beautiful by the way yeah and they and they like now have to keep reliving it because they got off or like got their sentence or overturned their conviction overturned and now has to go through this trial again whether they have to be there or not is besides the point like i know they weren't there for the first one um i don't know what will happen for the second one i mean they're in ireland thankfully they're super far removed from it so right that's good but yeah. Just poor family. Poor family. Well, there you thanks, go. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. <laughs> Bringing that to our attention. And also, well done on that. I don't know what you left out. And clearly, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you gave all the details that I needed. Been talking for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, well, well done. Well, thank you. Yes. Good job. Very much. Um, wow. I well, to- I yeah. said to Christy, this kind of reminds me of like um, the Tamla case because we, gosh, it's just so confusing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. yeah. So- and, and similar to Tamla, somebody knows something more. Right. And You're are we talking. ever going to find out what it is? Right. Exactly. Gosh. It's, it's- Kind of like, not that this isn't, I mean, this technically, I guess, isn't solved yet because they haven't been truly convicted. Oh, well, they were, but then it's overturned. Right. That's like kind of the same thing with any like unsolved. It's like, well, when it's unsolved, somebody knows something. Right. They're not saying. Mm -hmm. Somebody. Yeah. There's somebody out there. What about the mom? Just, yeah, I know. She didn't say, she have a statement? Like, no, because she was asleep. She was asleep. Yeah. See, that's just weird. It's just weird. Mm Mm-hmm. And unless the kids like do remember waking up and which they say they don't. Right. Yeah. So, and at this point they're probably not going to change that, you know, like, and they also say like they sleep with their doors closed and typically the bedroom door is closed, the parents' bedroom. And so it buffers sound. So these are things that I left out when you say like, I don't know what you left out. It's little things like this, like, well, I closed my door and my door was closed and I can't ever hear anything. And, you know, like things like that, that were like little points, like, well, why didn't you wake up? And what, you know, stuff like that, that was like not super relevant to the case, but like it was mentioned in trial and all that stuff. I read the transcripts. Oh, goodness gracious. It was 169 forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Gosh, the one I read was like 48 one time and I thought that was long. (laughs) Yeah. I was really into it. I I mean, like, yeah. No, maybe we should do a Patreon. (laughs) No. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive into something. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Speaking of, guys, if you're not a member of our Patreon and you want to become a Closet Sixter, just go to our Instagram, go into our bio, and we have a link with all of the links that you need. 
um, and do it because you might miss out on some extra content if you don't. It's true. You never know what we're going to do over there. I know. I think we've put a little, a couple of little tiny surprises out there for people here and there, but anyway. Um, So go ahead and do that. We always appreciate your support. Thanks for the recommendation, Hannah. Thanks for telling the story, Beth. It was fantastic. And everybody just always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.